Turn Up The Talk podcast, tackling mental health together. Hey everyone, and welcome to Turn Up The Talk. You're joined by Pat Clifton and Luca Moretti, and no lucky Drew Morris today as he's missing in action. Quick reminder, we actually launched our tickets to our end of season lunch slash fundraiser, which can be found on our social medias in the links. The lunch is going to be at the Clavelli Hotel on Friday the 13th of March, which we're pretty excited for, and we'd love to see some of you down there. The money raised from the day through raffles, tickets, will be go towards the RUOK Foundation, Gotcha for Life Foundation, and operational costs of Turn Up The Talk. There'll be live entertainment all day, like I said, raffles, lucky door drop, lucky door prizes. It'll be a good day, one not to miss. Before we start, I just want to let you know that this is a mental health podcast and some content discussed may be triggering. So if you're not feeling up to it, hit pause, come back another day. Today we're joined by a special guest who's pretty well known around the community for his work in mental health. He's an RUK ambassador. He's been great to us. He's got on board with the Maroubra movement which is started up by Bailey Fitzgerald. You can go check that out on Facebook and Instagram. Maruba Movement doing great work. Kevin Hay, thanks for joining us, mate. How are you? Good buddy yourself. Yeah, not too bad, not too I, bad. Thanks for having me, thanks for having me. Hi again, round two. <laughs> round two, <laughs> yes. We're the first one get out. <laughs> uh, what have you been up to lately? No, not much, mate. Just um, just busy, uh, starting the season off, or season the year off. Very much February now. So been just flat out doing um, a health job, a bit of IOK stuff, travelling around Australia and um, in dream time. So back in the swing of things, January a bit quiet, but yeah, it's starting to pick up. So where you know you from around the eastern suburbs, are you a K ambassador, Dreamtime Academy, for people listening who don't know much about you, just give us a bit of a rundown. Yeah, so I, um, I work for New South Wales Health as our health outreach worker, I've been there for nine years. Are you okay? I've been an ambassador with them for about, from, from probably just over under two years. I'm also part of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Advisory Group um, and Dreamtime Academy started up about four and a half years ago, so I sort of qualified myself up uh, as high as I can regarding coaching, uh, training, so it's uh, multi-directional uh, speed coaching, multi-directional movement coach, uh, speed coach and basically like strength and conditioning stuff. So I work with kids from all different sporting backgrounds, boys and girls from age you know, 12, some kids at age of 10, all the way up to in their 30s. And basically just try and help them succeed in whatever desired sport it is, but also mentor them at the same time and, and you know, check in on them. So that, you know, the academy's there to sort of give them that edge of that high performance training that they may or may not get with their desired sport, but to give them that extra edge. And if they push and, uh, you know, push hard with determination, they'll succeed, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. How's that been going since the last time I spoke to you? Yeah, no, good, good. We had a bit of a quiet... Um, quite spiel over Christmas, uh, a lot of kids away and so forth, but I was today kicking off in that for the start of the year, so we've got a lot of young kids in the representative scene there, and a couple of kids going through the junior at Tower Manchester Manchester Um and then we have uh, Maurice Longbottom, he started the sevens tournament off at the start of December last year, mm. and then they qualified actually um, the Olympics, for the eh? Olympics, yeah, so yeah. that's a big step in stone there, he's, he's someone that started off with the academy from almost from the start. Um, great story behind him, but you know, right, keep right. growing up with Bill Gunn, now going yeah, to the Olympics, yeah, yeah. it's, it's a big call, so a big call, so it's a big opportunity. So that's just a you know, yeah. a sight into if you work hard, you, you get the results, and mm-hmm. you don't have to be playing in you know, the best team to be getting these results. I actually trained against me the other day, right? Did you? Yeah, because you trained against me for nines. That's why you've, that's why you've dropped 10 kilos. <laughs> <laughs> 
Morrissey. Right, let me step you out of my shoes. Stop, stop with him, Stop with him. It's drink time around here. Yeah, no, yeah, you catch him, you catch him, but you got to catch him. Oh, no, I didn't catch him. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, um, that's, that's what uh, the Academy's been up to, and it's been good. Um, but yeah, it, I guess the big thing is it's that mentoring as well. So yeah, at yeah, Christmas yeah. time, it can be challenging for not just kids but anyone. So yeah, it's about yeah, keeping in touch, talking to them, and just just keeping them, you know, I guess guided. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's the biggest thing because over Christmas for kids it's a good time, but for families it can be a struggle sometimes too. So it's about making sure that you have all aspects covered in different times of the year. You don't want we didn't when I say we myself and Sam. We didn't want the academy to be a phase. Mm-hmm. We want to be something that's consistent, something that's long term, and something that's able to help you know change someone's life for the good. So yeah, that's yeah. our aim. So. Yeah, that's, I oh yeah, yeah. that's Sam being your partner. Yeah, Sam yeah. being my partner. Yeah, so yeah, my rock, my fiance. <laughs> fiance. <laughs> Why did Drew take tips? <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't drop to a knee overseas. Yeah, I know. That's what we all thought the plan was. He <laughs> didn't go through with it. Yeah. Uh, bringing it back to Are You Okay? So, what led you to kind of get involved in the whole mental health scene of things? Yeah, so I guess what led me to get, to get involved with Are You Okay? would be um, my good friend Dan Price. Uh, my partner Sam, obviously, a, a big influence for myself to get involved and, and speak up a bit more. But it was from hearing Dan actually talk in one of our community events that we had, uh, a treadmill event that we had running out of Maroubra called uh, PPP for SPA, Pros, Plebs, Personalities for Suicide Prevention Australia. And um, we, along myself and Sam, along with a couple other community members, come together and um, started, well not come together, we, it was already started, but we come together to make this event happen, a 24 hour treadmill event. Uh, we reached out, had Dan Price come down, and then um, from that he was able to share his story, heard his story, got in touch got in touch and then he sort of did a bit of talks with me through my government job with kids that I work with, 15 to 25, predominantly Aboriginal males, but we don't close it off just Aboriginal kids, you know, if any kid or a friend of a kid wants to come into a program, they're more than welcome to come in. And, um, and sort of from that point, I sort of then opened up a little bit to Dan about my story and the work that I do and he thought it'd be a great opportunity to get me in contact with the team and that's where I sort of, my journey with RUAK started and then, you know, the ability to be able to share my story. And you just mentioned there with Sam, she kind of led you to open up a little bit more. What were you kind of masking? What, what were your past experiences with mental health? So, yeah, so previous on my upbringing was, was pretty, pretty, um, it's an eye-opener when you think about it, when you look at it. At the time, for me, it was, it was life. I didn't know much different. But I, um, I have a dad who's non-Indigenous, mum who's Indigenous, um, and basically three older brothers, and mum uh, was an alcoholic growing up. Um, I had a mum who was an athlete, parents split before I was born. And um, and long story short, mum had the youngest two and my dad had the oldest two. Dad wanted all four boys. Um, and during mum's alcoholism, I experienced and seen things that no one at any age should ever um, experience. To me at the time, that was life, that was normal. When I seen dad, I knew what life was like with dad. Um, but it was at that stage when um, when I say that stage, it got to the point when I was six years of age. My brother's six years older than me, he's 12, when he, his name is Ronald. Uh, it was that point where he turned around and said, where would you rather live? And a six-year-old kid, I said, like, Dad, you know. And, and Dad was never one to spoil us. It was just, you know, he showed us a different side of life compared to people coming and going to, um, people coming and going to life and so forth. So what I, um, what I, Basically, my brother was, yeah, I want to live with Dad. Um, and so, 
it was from that point where um, I and myself and my brother actually turned around and we ran away. So we grew up yeah, three hours north, so Harvey Bay Fraser Island, which is three hours north of Brisbane, and we hitchhiked from there, from there all the way down to Sydney. So that was, yeah, I'm not quite sure if you know where that is, if you get a map out. If, if you're listening right now and don't know where it is, <laughs> yeah, get Siri out, uh, put in your maps, that's a fair hike. So we hitchhiked at age six and 12 all the way back down to my dad. And that's when, you know, journey with my dad sort of, sort of um, became life and, and, and noticed the difference. So that, was that point in my life and then experienced things that you should never experience and when my dad growing up in a family with my dad's wife, my stepmom's wife, my stepsister's wife, um, that was an eye-opener too, that, that led to a lot of bullying, a lot of people you know, saying, oh, you're adopted, that kind of stuff. And I guess I had footy to turn to, that was my big go-to and that helped me go on, you know, go on through my, my teen years. I bounced from club to club, shooting injury, I, um, I stopped and from that, I looked at coaching and mentoring. Um, when I looked at that, at that same time, my mum and myself sort of rekindled our relationship. Um, she sort of, you know, we, we, we made amends. After making amends, mum was, uh, we were talking for about three or so months, um, chat, chatting every couple of nights, and I got told I should give mum a call, gave her a call, and she was told she was terminally ill. Um, so that was it. Uh, at the time, I was like, oh yeah, terminally ill, and didn't really register myself. And then realise, you know, 12 months to live, uh, she's really sick. Um, so a lot of stuff went through my head. Um, not then, but when the point was after that, being told that she actually only survived the next three months. And it was that point there where I said, well, not when I said that, <laughs> it was that point there when my life became, like, fucked. Um, I hit a dark spot, and that's when I realised what the... Well, I didn't realise at the time, but now when I look back on my journey, I realised that's when I was depressed. Mm-hmm. Suicidal thoughts come in, what I... But, you know, if I didn't make her apologize, not make her apologize, but if I didn't ask for her to apologize what she's done, if I didn't acknowledge what's happened, if I just left and kept going and just ignored her and I shouldn't have spoke. But in hindsight, I did. I spoke to her, we made amends, uh, and then, you know, for, for some reason, you know, there was a pathway that was chosen for her that, you know, she was told she was terminally ill, three months to live, and, and sort of took its toll on myself. Um, you know, I was in a dark place, didn't do much, didn't do anything really. You know, when you read about it now, you go, oh, you feel like a bird and you feel tired, you feel this, you're not doing that. It's literally how I felt. Everything that you would really hear about is how I felt. Um, and it wasn't until I, you know, sort of, when I see my doctor, doctor told me, yeah, my doctor's family doctor said, mate, you're yeah. fucked. Yeah. You know, it was a pretty close relationship. Yeah. He just oh, said, short. You know, <laughs> just real short and sweet. Yeah. Was like, and when, you know, I've been my doctor for so many years. He's like, I'm crying. He's like, no, you fuck, we need to get something. <laughs> I was like, you're right, thanks. Um, but, you know, so then we, um, I, I turned to go and see someone. I did previously go and see someone for my anger issues. It didn't work for me as a young person. But, yeah, when I went to see a psychologist, it was um, the first time I sat there and just said, oh, she had the notes about while I was there, and I just started crying, finished crying for an hour, um, expressed how I felt just by crying. She said, okay, I'll see you next week. And I was a bit dumbfounded, like, yeah, okay, but I felt good after it. Um, and then that, that sort of made the role on me talking about how I felt, what my triggers were, you know, that all my past trauma actually affects me and why yeah, I do yeah. some of the stuff I was doing at the time. And, was to cover a mask, like you said, it was the mask how I felt. And and I didn't realise much of this until I actually met my partner Sam and she has a man, like an amazing story herself and and um, well an amazing, you know, to share, sorry, not an amazing story, but she has a very unique story and 
and um, from meeting her, my life has changed so much dramatically. You know, she's able, enabled me to you know be open about my emotions, talk when I'm feeling you know rubbish. Oh, I'm pretty sure a lot of people listening today would realise that sometimes you just snap over the little things, but it's because something that happened last week or something <coughs> happened two days ago. Yeah, You've let bottled up and yeah, you spoke yeah. about it. So you know, it was a, it was a learning curve at the start. You know, and I bottled up and I snap, and she's like, I'm not talking now. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. And she's like, well, you know, well, you know. Why didn't you mention that before? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah true. So now that I've, um, you know, through the good support that I have through Sam and um, just being able to be more open with my emotions, it's helped me. And then when I met Dan, that was an opportunity. He said, you know, you have a good story to share. You should, you should get out and talk about it. People are going to be able to resonate with it. And yeah. it has worked. And that's where I think I've become so passionate about getting my story because there are so many people there. You know, I've travelled around Australia and there are so many people there that have a similar story, if not a, not their own story, but just by talking to them, helps them open up and then they realise that they're masking something and I think that is like what you guys are doing. Just yeah, enabling that yeah. safe space to talk and it gives these people that more or less might not have the support or more or less not realise how good it is to talk yeah. and so by creating something you've created is, is amazing and to be young guys doing that, mate, it's you know, mate's not giving me good because he's pretty big as he is. <laughs> but you know, kilos, <laughs> so it didn't go from his head. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so that's a, it's, a, it's a great thing. So I think that's when we talk about me masking it. That's what I was masking at the time. I didn't realise that I was masking, but it was when I, the trigger, mum passing away, was was the thing that set me off the rails. Yeah, and yeah. at the time, I didn't realise it, but then going through everything, it was you know all the trauma, but. Mum's loss was what brought my suicidal thoughts and and my dark times. Yeah, so your story is a unique one. It's, it's an awesome story to share. Um, just touching on that, you said you had a bit of depression when your mum passed away. Um, can you touch on that about how 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 you kind of dealt with that and how you kind of put your hand up and got help? Yeah. So at the time, I didn't realise I was depressed. Yeah. You know, losing mum suddenly. Yeah. When I was told, you know, she had 12 months. So yeah, even being told that she has 12 months was, you know, really sudden. But when she told me what was going on, I didn't comprehend and then I didn't feel anything. I was just normal, yeah, yeah. okay, and then sort of thought, okay. But then when she passed away, it got bad. Eh? It got bad. Mm. That's when I didn't realise I was depressed, but I knew, like, the yeah. thoughts that I was having. I went online to actually. I never knew. Like I had, the, I had these thoughts and I was feeling that down and I knew I was upset and I was angry and I was... Well, I don't think anyone does. Not really anyone thing, does yeah. know until there's a turning point. That's what I was trying to kind of ask. Like, when was your turning point and where was the point where you got, okay, right, this is it. I've got to go get help. The turning point was when people started realising after two weeks that I, that I wasn't yeah. doing anything. Yeah. I, was, I was laying in bed, not doing anything. Yeah. Um, just not even working. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I was meant to be working. Yeah. And, um, and to the point where, you know, people had realised I wasn't myself. Right. You know, I wasn't this person that's always talking, I'm not this person that's always energetic and yeah. out there and, and real bubbly. And I think it was when people started saying, you know, what's what's going on? Yeah. And then when people noticed that and then said you should go speak to someone, I, you know, I was a bit hesitant at start. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. if I can speak to someone. Yeah. Last time I tried it, didn't work. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, speaking to someone about your anger issues, to speaking to someone about depression mm-hmm. or how you're actually feeling, Two different things. You go there and speak to them, and they'll be able to nut it out exactly. Okay, you know, you know there's, there's depression or there's anxiety, or there is anger issues. We need to deal have mechanisms in place to deal with whatever situation it is. But 
once I realised I was depressed was the point when I went to the GP and the GP said, you know, you, you're really fucked. Well, yeah. I, was, I was very fortunate. I have a very good family, close relationship with my doctor. But normally, you know, it's yeah, you, yeah. Your, your situation's unique. We need to go yeah, speak yeah, to someone. Yeah, yeah. And then when I was with my psychologist, that's when, you know, he's explaining. And she turned around and said, you yeah, know, you are depressed. Mm-hmm. And I was like... Yeah, how hard was that hearing that? Yeah, that was hard. That was hard. That was. I've come from a family where we obviously I had my own issues and my own growing up with my family, and um, and everyone in my family is unique and everyone has their own sort of journey because obviously it's three other brothers. But sharing emotions, sharing feelings, um, yeah, being really. nah, ne- never shown. Dad, and mom, dad, and mom, mom and dad now never knew to be just you know. My yeah. dad, my mum never knew to be angry really. Yeah. She'd show yeah. that anger emotion, but not too much of a loving unless she was on a drink, she'd be telling me how much she loved yeah. me. Um, but then and dad, he, you know, only recently now has he started coming out a bit more into all these emotions. Yeah. But you know, it's something that uh, yeah. was never really yeah. thought of or, or yeah, spoken yeah, yeah, about. Yeah. And I think that's well, I still say it now, even in my UK stuff, I'm there so heavily I'm heavily trying to get people to talk about it, you know, I'm I've got a beard that I like to myself on I'm covered in tats and I, I literally you wear a yellow shirt going to talk to people and say you know you can look at this and still share your emotions so I'm forever trying to tell people to say go to speak up but you know yeah. some people are not stuck in a way but they just think no no that's not for us we don't do that we've got to get on with our life and do this and you'll be fine so it, it was hard for me it was hard because once I noticed I was like oh shit am I, am I going to be fine you know medication yeah. was an option yeah. and then I was told that medication isn't a short term thing you know, for a while and, and I was Bit hesitant, I was like, Oh, a bit daunting, yeah, eh? a bit daunting. Yeah. That was really daunting. So, to myself, I, I had to, to credit to myself, I was like, No, I want to really try and do it myself first before relying on something. Oh, that's good, that's and good. then that, that worked for me. So, being able to speak to someone on the regular was a yeah. thing, and I, and I still do now because yeah. are you okay? Dream time, government job, you know, being a mentor to young people, helping out with community stuff that's happening. Yeah. I can't turn all that pressure or stress from one of them jobs or from my own life on my partner because that's not fair on her. So yeah. I regularly speak to someone now, but anything that pops up. That's so good. So, that's so good. And then that's that's the good thing about people. You just got to go there when you when you're in a crisis point. Mm. It's not the situation. Yeah, exactly. And um, like you saying that the, the crisis point. I think people get it wrong where you know they get depressed. They go fuck. You go speak to someone, and they think it's just going to be a quick fix. They're going to give you all the answers. Like it's a process, eh? Yeah, no, it definitely is a process, and it's. it's it takes a lot yeah. of courage to, to make that first step, to yeah, go exactly. in and, and, and yeah. speak to someone and talk to someone or just listen. But it takes a bigger step to continually do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you think it's a band-aid and you, know, you don't think it's better, but you have that thought that it's a band-aid fix, like just, okay, I guess yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's done. Yeah. 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 But, but it's not. And, and, and a, a perfect example is my partner Sam has a very, very good story um, like to share. She would have a very good story to share, sorry. She lost her dad going on nine years uh, in March this year um, to suicide, and um, due, due to the loss of her dad, it's I've learned so much just with the way she she's able to deal with her emotions and the way she's able to do it daily. Like that's nine years, you know, nine years ago she lost her dad. So you know, it's it's not something that you know. Just have, you know, you just fix it overnight. Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, enough. so and I guess that's where a lot of my self care comes in. You know, I learn yeah. a lot of stuff from her too, just yeah. because of how strong and, and solid she is. But you know, like anyone, she's human. So sometimes yeah. it's not the best time, and, and it's hard. And, and that just goes to show that you don't just go to a psychologist when you yeah. there. It, it yeah. Sometimes it's anything that might come up, and it's, to have that person there to talk to you, it's you know, it's good. Touching back on 
you spoke about how you went and spoke to someone about your anger and it didn't work. I know a couple of people who have said the same thing. Oh, I've already tried for anger issues. Of like, why is it going to help me now for a, for a different thing? What advice would you say to those people? Just like when you um, when you go to, oh, how can I say it? If you go buy something in the shop and you don't like it, you'll go and try something else. So just like a psychologist, like a psychiatrist, like a doctor, if you don't like something or someone, there's another 500 out there. Yeah. Um, there's another person around the corner um, to give it a shot. I know when I was going for anger issues, the first thing they told me was, oh, count to 10. <laughs> I thought it was like, yeah, 14. Fuck off. That's not going to work. Yeah. So yeah, I understand that. But in saying that, I'm sure the person that I see on the regular now, if I had to see that for anger issues, they may realise that counting is not the thing for me. And, and so I think it's, it's you got to shop around because yeah. you're not going to, it's a luck of the draw. You might get the first person you speak to and be amazing. The, the second person you get, you know, the first person might not be amazing, the second person might be amazing. So it's it's about shopping around because at the end of the day, you're, um, you got to look at yourself like you're a, you're a shop. You need the best thing for you. So you yeah. need to actually stock yourself up right, yeah. fuel yourself right and get to the best Get the best results for yourself. So I think that's that's the way to look at it. It's if the first person doesn't work, don't give up, don't stop, go to the next person. It might be six people before you get the right one, but if you want to be able to help yourself, that's the steps you're gonna have to do. Yeah, yeah I think relationships be huge, eh? especially with talking to people. Like people just yeah. go, like what Pat said, let's go say one person, they go, or oh, count the town, I go, I'm never gonna <laughs> fucking do this, yeah. like this is bullshit. I think <laughs> so I think when you said you know relationships it's all just there's someone out there for you there's always someone out there for yeah. everyone so I think you know don't stop and just keep going until you find that person that you feel comfortable talking to it's so true yeah. and it's so true it's like everything you know if you want to don't want to see a GP you're going to talk to a friend you don't want to talk to the friend that talks about themselves all the time yeah exactly you're going to talk to the friend that actually listens yeah. and doesn't speak yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's the same thing and, and it's it, it does take time to build a relationship you know, so it's, you've got to understand that as well that this person's coming in from a professional point of view and their job is to get the best outcome for you and it's going to take time to get that but it's also going to take time for you to trust them so yeah touching on drugs and alcohol there was a seminar local seminar the Muru Movement that you spoke at the other week yeah baby it's Gerald pretty um, you better be listening right now <laughs> <laughs> pretty big topic in and around the eastern suburbs drugs and alcohol did you ever turn to that when you were in that state? When mum passed away, yeah, I drank myself um, to go to sleep. Um, so what do you call it, self-medicate, but after mum passed away, I, I couldn't really sleep. Um, and I remember after mum's funeral, I just kept drinking, 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 and I passed out in the hotel, um, back home in Harvey Bay. And, um, and, and yeah, I, I think for, for a little bit, I, I drank a fair bit. I didn't drink from early age because it scared me because I seen the effects that it had on mum and other people close to me. Um, so I didn't drink until I was older. But at that point, it was a thing that helped me sleep. So I just used, um, I just drank um, for, for a bit to get me to sleep. And I didn't realize I was doing it to get me to sleep. But yeah, for a little bit, I was drinking a bit. And then um, looking back now, because I, I can see, uh, know my triggers. I'm not going to see my triggers, but I know my triggers and what sets me off. And, you know, in growing up as well, at times when I was when I was drinking, and, you know, late teens, early 20s, it was something that I turned to to mask how I was feeling, you know, it was, it 
was going to help me forget about stuff. Escape, eh? Escape, yeah. yeah. And, and the sad thing is, you escape for that night, and then tomorrow, the minute you think about whatever was yeah, you pay for it for the next week. Yeah, yeah, def- yeah. yeah, definitely pay for it. But then the, the next day, you, you start thinking about it, and then there comes the anxiety of, oh, yeah, yeah. The, you know, right. you had fun or whatever last night, but now the anxiety's back again. So when mum passed away, I, I, I turned to it heaps. And in our community, unfortunately, it's 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 big. Um, it's a big social thing too, and and unfortunately, people don't. Uh, not a lot of people talk about uh, how they're feeling, their emotions, and they're not talking to someone. So they might carry whatever they're carrying, and then they go into a Friday, Saturday night. If it's a Friday, sometimes they're bending till a Sunday, and you know they they're not actually addressing the issues that they're facing and what makes them actually feel sad, and they don't probably realise that they're masking. Yeah. their issue with yeah. alcohol and drugs. So the awareness that, you know, Maribor Movement's trying to bring to the community um, of the South East Sydney area is huge, you know, to be able to give people the knowledge of all different topics. And we started off last month with um, uh, AOD, alcohol and other drugs, and that was huge, we had about 107 people there. So to be able to be given a space for community to come together to be able to talk openly and well not openly well yes talk openly but to be able to have someone give them all the information um, around the staff we're not trying to say don't do it because yeah. people are really going to do it we're not going to tell people not do it and be, you know, come like that. but if we can educate people on it let them understand and know the effects and, and what your body's actually taken in then we're doing a little part and the best thing about it that we're young and old so you know a lot of parents there as well so you know I think some parents have realised come really come to the, the front realising well, you know, kids are actually doing it and therefore I can actually know a bit more about it. Yeah. You know, if we get a situation where a kid's in a, in a need of help that I know kids can turn to me or, you know, I know what's going on. And then um, on March the ninth there's a mental another one another night, uh, called uh, another movement <laughs> evening, sorry, I'm tongue twisted there, uh, around mental health and that one with Dan Price um, sharing his story journey to wellness. So that is going to be huge. It's, it's a lived experience of someone speaking about their uh, journey. And it, it's one of a kind. His story is the story that got me into the movement that I'm in now with around the mental health space. And it's strong. And, you know, people unfortunately need to hear these lived experiences and know because a lot of people live these like live these stories, very similar stories, and they don't speak up. And it just gives people a safe space. Mm-hmm. What advice would you have for, like you said, you can't expect things to just be like, no one drink, you know? Like, it's, it's years in suburbs, it's a social thing, our age, we're young, we still go out and have a few beers. <coughs> what, advice <would> you give, <laughs> what advice would you give for people who, you know, are going through a tough time but don't want to lose that kind of social aspect? Because it is a bit of a social thing. Say you're working five days a week, you've only got the weekend, what are my friends doing? They're going to the pub to have a beer if I don't see them. I'm not going to see him for another week. Yeah. How do you kind of go about that balance? Well, to be honest with you, if there's something that's stressing you out, something that's, there's, there's some sort of issue or, or dilemma in your life, address it and address that. And, and then your weekends aren't, are not going to be um, burdened. You know, there's nothing that's going to bring it back. Well, you can still go out and have a couple of drinks. You might realise that you don't need a drink to have fun. You know, I, I don't drink and I barely drink and I don't drink it nowhere near what I used to when I was younger. And I'll go out and I can still have fun. So it's just, if there's an issue that's coming up or you're struggling with something, speak up. Because you can still enjoy your weekends. You'll still enjoy your weeks if you're speaking up. You'll enjoy every single day. You'll feel a lot lighter. You'll feel like there's no stress on you. Um, Life throws all curveballs at you, but it's how you actually react to that. So if you can start getting on top of them, 
and there's no reason why you can't go and have a drink and hang out or, or you know no condone of getting on you know having a big weekend with your mates and then you can still do that but as long as you address your needs first because at the end of the day that's that's more important than going out and, and looking good with your mates or getting their yeah. Instagram feed and getting a photo and getting them likes because at the end of the day, if, if you're well, well, your friends are going to be happy, you can go out and have fun and you've got no stress when you come back because yeah. you know nothing worse than going out on a Saturday, recovering on a Sunday and then going, oh shit, I've got to go at 6 a.m. to go back to work tomorrow. Like, yeah. How's that feeling? Because you know, that'll give you stress. If, you know. So my best thing, and I've wiped on a little bit there, but the best thing is to speak up and, and I guess... No matter how big or small you think that situation, you might think it's the biggest thing in the world, but if you speak to someone, it can be hard, and it can be the littlest thing, and you, you, you haven't dealt with it. But there's no story that, you know, there's no story you have to be this big or big of a worry to have to go and speak to someone. It could be something as little as, um, I'm, I get nervous about going and speaking to my boss. Like, if you get nervous about that, go and speak to someone about how you can be, feel comfortable talking to your boss, how yeah. you feel comfortable working in the, in the setting you're in. Like, some people yeah. think, oh, well, I'm not going to kill myself. Oh, I'm not thinking of killing myself, so I don't need to speak up. Yeah. Well, no, actually, you still get that anxious feeling. Go and, go, go and yeah. talk to yeah. someone about it. No matter how small the thing would be. No matter how small it may seem, mate, you've just got to speak about it. 100%. Yeah. And I, think, I think owning it as well. Like, people, yeah. the people don't own it, people go, nah, you know what? I don't have a problem. I can go out and get blind. And then next thing you know, Sunday morning comes around and you go, fuck. You know, where did these come from? So well, it was actually happened like you know yesterday, but you didn't own up to it, and you know here it is. Yeah, yeah. and and that's a big thing too. You know, a lot of people you know try and brush it over and don't realise, and they start to take ownership. Yeah, when you notice, you deal with it, you feel better. Um, and I think that comes back to when I heard Dan's story for the first time. I was like, wow, that's a very powerful story. I caught up with him, had lunch, explained a little bit about my story because yeah. I wanted to give him a bit of feedback. And he said, mate, you should be talking too. And I'm yeah. like. Uh, but, I, but me right there, I compared my story to his. I'm like, oh no, like, your story is very powerful. And I think yeah. he's like, mate, own your story. Like, mm. someone needs to listen to that. Someone yeah. needs to hear it. That's yeah. going to change your life. Exactly. So that's the same thing, you know. So no matter how big or small, it's own it, mm. understand it, deal with it, fix it. That's how you're going to fix yeah. it by by taking that step. And unfortunately, in our area, a lot of people don't realise that they can take that step. It's across actually. I say across everywhere, but I say our area because I work predominantly in our area with um, with my health job and. and Suicides that we've had in the local areas. It's sad, but a lot of people feel like they can't speak up because it's such a taboo subject. So, uh, once again, turn up the talk. It's, it's amazing because it's helping people have that safe space. I mean, we touched on relationships, and go, you know, going back to your story, you know, it's such a such a powerful, you know, awesome story. Your brother, you and your brother. Talked yeah. about hitchhiking. I don't think I can go down the road without me and my brother having WrestleMania 25. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see your brother last night, actually. Did you? Yeah. What's he doing? <laughs> Serving the drinks. Yeah. <laughs> how is that? How is hitchhiking with your brother? And you know, did that did that bring you close? And you know, how that how is that relationship with you guys? Yeah, well, yeah that question actually, to be honest, give me goosebumps. Um, I, I don't think I realise or acknowledge it as 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 good as I should. Yeah. Um, that was my turning point in life. If it wasn't for my brother, I think my life would be very um, different. Whether I'd be alive or not, another thing. Whether I'd be in or out of jail, another thing. Um, statistics back home with, with the incarceration rates up there it's, and with family members, it's, it's pretty high. At the time, I'm a six-year-old kid. I didn't realise it's dad, dad, dad. Now I look back on it. If it wasn't for him, my brother, yeah. it, 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 you know, 
my life wouldn't be what it is today. So, is that a father figure for you growing up? Growing up, no. He was sort of a bit of a role model, but not really. I, I think I took him for granted. Right. Um, and that's why I get goosebumps. That makes me upset that I think, oh, I, I know he has his own issues. When I say issues, his own journey and so forth. Um, and, and it affected him a bit more and differently because he's six years older than me too. So what I experienced until the age of six, he's experienced until yeah. age 12. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think I was a bit with a naive or, or selfish in understanding it a bit more because I guess, I guess I just to a degree worried about myself and I think I'm, and I'm, I know now that that was wrong with me and obviously I hope he's listening so sorry about that. And I, I do say it sometimes too whether you realise I'm being serious or not, you know, because a joker, but you know, I got um, I got his letter tattooed on me actually when I was when I was getting my, my first sleeve done, and the reason behind it was because you know if it wasn't female, I wouldn't be around. Yeah. So that that was the thing there. But to answer your question, we're pretty close, but we, we openly talk about our feelings and, and what we're stressing about and stuff. Yeah. Like you know, we come from a very dynamic uh, family. We've had a couple of WrestleManias. <laughs> couple of WrestleManias. <laughs> You'd probably be laughing now. Yeah, Maybe choke out one time. <laughs> but anyway, I won't bring that up. Just did. But um, yeah, yeah, um uh, we've had some of them, and, and we've had a few verbal you know, disagreements on the phone yeah. and stuff. But at the end of the day, we still come together. We still talk, and I think that's the best thing about our relationship that we've been through so much. Yeah, at the end yeah, of the day, yeah. we'll have a disagreement. We'll argue about something, but. We'll, we're still best of mates. Yeah, both there for each other. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, to be honest with you, when I was growing up, I think I took it for granted. I think I didn't realise enough. And and I think that's the only downfall, I think, from the whole, my whole journey is that I didn't acknowledge him as, as much as I should have. And I, I thanked him enough, um, only at certain times, I think. But, you know, you live and you learn. And, and if it wasn't for him, I, I wouldn't be, be able to hear to share my story and, and, and definitely would not have lived the life I've lived, that's for sure, because you hitchhike from... Queensland, Harvey Bay, Fraser Island, and down to Sydney. Well, at six years of age, yeah, you yeah. don't really know what you're doing. I had one, even at twelve, but <laughs> it was done, um, and I'm forever grateful for it. But yeah, it was it was one heck of a journey. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I still don't know how you did it. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. We'll go into details yeah. after. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm on the door. Kevin, <laughs> but yeah, no, so it was, a, it was a big thing. But I think not just that. Um, Hitchhike, but the whole journey that I've had from a young age has helped me mature a lot more. Yeah, it's yeah, helped me understand life a lot more. And I guess that's why I have a need to, like, with the academy, to, like, to give back, to want to help people because life is a journey and, and it's about enjoying it. Mm. And so I've seen the worst, but then I've also seen the best. So I want to show people and help people that are, that are going through that tough time or, or do experience tough times that there is a light in the tunnel and, and it can get better. It's just about being determined to want to help yourself. So I guess that's you know where I've been able to turn my negative into a positive and, and sort of get the best out of you know a shit situation. Going back to when you were after your mum passed away, you were really depressed. Getting out of that stage, aside from talking to someone, what steps did you take? that kind of got you out of that dark place? Um, being active, keeping busy, that helped me a lot. Um, that Being active and busy in, in the right way, doing good things, yeah. um, turned my life around from being active and busy in the wrong way. I think that was a big thing. Understanding that what I've got to do is to better myself. Um, and then I think what I've looked at the last five years is my image. Mm. I'm a nobody. I'm Kevin Heath. You know, who's Kevin Heath? But at the end of the day, 
if I can be the best version of Kevin Heath, then it's only going to make good for myself. And, you know, the little Kevin's that Sam will give me one day. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So it's, it's about keeping my image and, and being able to, you know, better myself and getting my, my, myself from A to B. So I think the biggest thing for me was um, being productive, doing what makes me feel good, having a lot of self-care. And when I say self-care, it's not sitting there reading a book because I'm not that type of person, but it's, it's about making sure I'm doing what I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess helping people is one big thing, but sharing my story is another thing, but just you know, going out and coaching people. Like, I, I turned to that and the academy as, as an avenue for me to be able to share my experience through playing footy at, you know, at a high level when you're young. And just being able to put a smile on the kid's face because they put they're at school all day and they get back and they want to go to training. They're happy. They see someone who's going to say, "Hey, how are you?" I start every session with checking in with them. How they yeah. going? Um, kids tell me their shit. Teacher needs that, or they're going heaps good. I got this tomorrow, so we you know help them look forward to stuff. But that that sort of is where I look at what helped me. Um, and then Sam plays a massive part in it too, you know, because I did not automatically think like that. You know, it was. You Sam and I turned around and said, yeah, ask me time, like, what do you feel like that? What do you like doing? I said, oh, you know, we're coaching people. And she said, well, what are you doing? And that's where it sort of kicked off yeah. and then started off with four kids, um, young, four young people. And then from that, we, you know, now got over, you know, hundred or something kids that we train at different times, different stages, and, and they continually there to thrive and push better. So to answer your question once again, I've gone from bloody... Could you have by going out to the camera on the way <laughs> to get to the phone? <laughs> it's about understanding um, that making yourself uh, accountable for staff and, and enjoying it. And like I said, you, you might hear people say, read a book, do yoga, do Pilates. If that's what you like or that's what you want to try, do it because it, it's for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. You've had a few good, like you said, Morris Longbottom came out of there. Did Josh Cook ever go through the Dreamtime Academy? Yeah, Josh Cook yeah, did. Yeah, he just went over to the Knights. Yeah, yeah. How, so you had a few. Yeah, how do you hear about Josh Cook? Oh, I played footy with him. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we did, uh, like, did a lot with Josh um, before he um, broke out into, what was he playing last year? Fleg and stuff, so last yeah. year or so. Um, so, yeah, did a few, he was one of the kids, one of the young people I started with, actually, one of the four or five. And they were just, like, literally, with, with, you know, doing training Saturday mornings, couple afternoons, couple mornings. Um, you know, he would get told... You know, one example, you know, you get told um, something he didn't work on, or something he wasn't happy with. He loves to critique his, his technique. He, he's, you know, and there's someone, him and Victor are really close and the same of like, when they push for something, they've got to be, they've got to have a right. They, and, and when I say right, it's, there's no right way to do something, but it's their right way. Yeah. And so there was times where, you know, I wanted to do this, so you would come down and just work on jumping out of dummy half and there's that tip on or, or focus on a bit, being shorter and sharper. And look, it's, it's paid off for him. Not, that, that's a little bit, but. And then he stopped that and got into you know training full time, and it just shows what what it can do. You know, especially if you train heaps of pre-season, you can lose ten kilos. Yeah, exactly. And Victor, Victor's a perfect example as well. You know, before he got caught up to, um, before he got caught up to the nines that year, he got caught up to the nines. We were doing the stairs and stuff. I remember he come down the fifty stairs with a couple of academy kids and himself. And, would always do the one point two. He's very competitive. You probably know he's very yeah. competitive. Yeah. Yeah. 1.4. Uh, 1.2. He's got to get under five. He got four minutes. Four minutes thirty. Or one, what? Four minutes fifteen at one stage. He got four. He got four. Four fifteen or something. Yeah. There you go. So he got four fifteens X amount of years ago before he played nine, um, the nines in Auckland and they won it. And we're doing it. And then Aloni come down the stairs and Kev, every time he sees somebody, hey, you going? Can we get a photo? And, that? and Victor was like, oh, your trains will be old. I had to play him because 
it wasn't in the thing because Lockie and all them were training first grade. Yeah, yeah. And um, and they all got a photo. And then after that sort of pre-season area, got caught up to train with first grade, and mm-hmm. then had the crack at nines. And then the rest is history from yeah, him. Yeah. He, but you know, both him and Josh, they've got that that mentality. Yeah. Mentality yeah. to want to push and be better and very to be the best. To be the best. Hundred percent. And I guess they're very lucky, and they do have great support. Both both of them have very great support. You know, look at Victor debuted. Oh, the Bronte Beach. I think if yeah. you wanted to rob somewhere, yeah. Bronte was the place to rob because everyone was at Allen Hunt. Yeah, the old gully came down. <laughs> and then you know, and then that just goes to show. And then Josh has has had support from 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 what I can remember from under 15s when we. When he played in the uh, Indigenous in the Koori team against the Murrays, um, you know his family's supporting through thick and thin. So they're very lucky with the support that. But then we at the academy have kids that we are their support, um, and and it's sad, but it's good. It gives us an opportunity to help show them that you know they don't have to take the pathways that other people in their families may have taken. They don't have to do this, or yeah. they don't have to turn on the people that are helping them that they can realise. So. I've got a good example of one kid that sort of come from not much, and he has you know finished school at, um, at one, over a good school in the area. And he's got a full time contract at, um, at St George Bank, um, and he's 19 years of age. Better get a promo um, to the next level in the banking to the school based traineeship. And he actually did turn to me. He did turn to me and goes, "Oh, Kev, I think I want to do what you're doing with the academy and do maybe PT." <laughs> Stick with the bank. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Dave, you're stupid. I was like, try and get something. Like, oh, but I don't know if I want to do it. I said, Stick with the bank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was looking at the long run. He's like, oh. I said, mate, someone wakes up on a cold winter's morning and you're all ready to train at 6 o'clock and they look at their alarm and go, snooze. Mate, you're not getting paid. Yeah. You're not paying for rent. You're not paying for anything. And he goes, oh, I, go, I do the academy so I enjoy it. And when I, if I had to do it full time to start with, I don't know whether I would enjoy it as much. And you know, uh, thank God I, I got I got something through to him because <laughs> yeah, he's stuck at the bank and he's still there and he's loving life and uh, he's got his place and um, you know he's, it's, that's that's another example. So it's not always about sport with the academy. It's about that mentoring and, and being able to just connect with someone, young or old, and, and help them succeed in life. It's not about succeeding in sport more or less. It's about yeah. life and, mm-hmm. and teaching them that you know. Life will throw curveballs out. You might have a WrestleMania 23 in the backyard tomorrow, but then you come to train on, on what's tomorrow, Friday. You come to train on Saturday and you, you're sweet. Yeah. But that's that's um, that's the best of what the academy sort of comes to. We're not just, you know, fitness or training yeah, yeah. or sports based. It's yeah, about yeah. a holistic approach. I think that'll wrap us up for, for today. Thanks, Ed. We'll um, hopefully catch you at the lunch yon. Lunch yon. <laughs> 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 Soiree. <laughs> yeah, it's going on there. No, yeah, too easy. I look forward to it actually. I um, yeah, I think I've cleared up my calendar, so it's going to be a good event. So. We'll be there, Doozy. Yeah, it will be good, so we'll talk about it. <laughs> too easy. <laughs> All right, thanks for joining us, mate. It's good to catch up. No, thanks for having me, guys. Take care.